If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to Les Mountain West to our football podcast, mwr.com, where you can find us. And before we get to it, Matt, we got Matt Kennerly. I'm Jeremy Moss. Like, wait, what's his full introduction doing? You guys never say your full names or whatnot. It's NFL draft season, and there'll be random people who listen to this podcast who will probably do be one and done. So we thank you for dropping by. <laughs> Yeah, I, I second that. Yes, MWR.com, like I said, all of our draft profiles. You have been spearheading the majority of that. I've been doing other things, which is okay. And other people in our staff have been working very hard to go through all the profiles. We have, I don't know how many we have, 30? About, right that right of- now, we have, uh, as of our record, we're recording on Sunday the 24th, we have 23. And I just queued up on behalf of a lot of our other writers about a dozen more. So I think by the time the draft hits on Thursday, if you go to mwire.com, just gonna let that sit there for a moment, um, we'll probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 35 individual profiles altogether, as well as our article on all the other guys who, you know, they may be longer shots to get drafted, but, you know, that's the beauty of the NFL. You never know who's going to get a phone call. So, also we, yes, check that out. Definitely. So, yeah, we've got literally everybody covered from, from Matt Ariza to Lakota Wills and everybody yeah, in between. Good job going alphabetically. That's good work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to think on my feet about that. There's probably <laughs> at least a couple. Alex Akingbulu. I could have, I could have oh, done a little better. Apologies. <laughs> so, with that, um, we'll have our undrafted roundup. We'll have another podcast afterwards. We'll have other analysis a bit here and there. But yeah, mwr.com or more specifically, mwr.com backslash nfl dash draft we'll have everything we've done so i think i think there's a category in there somewhere though yeah uh just just go to the just go to the main page we'll we'll (laughs) just you'll find it well we got a tab at the top of the nfl draft so yeah alternatively alternatively you can follow us on twitter at mwc wire or our facebook page which i think is just mountain west wire um (laughs) and you can you can find all of our articles posted there as well Yeah, so we'll be around everywhere. we got a lot of draft going on. So here's what we're doing this. If you're a flyby listener, thank you. Maybe subscribe and just leave us alone. We don't care. Or you like us and you want to talk, listen to us talk about Mountain football, if you want the deep draft prep, you know who these guys are. Check us out year-round. We're great. We're doing football all the time. So what we're doing here today, going over the – we're not going through every profile because that's a lot. We're going through the tiers of what we decided before prepping for this show. So we have yeah. most likely drafted, some maybes, long shots, and maybe some fan favorites. Yeah. And as for what fits for NFL teams, it's hit or miss. I sort of watched NFL. You sort of watched NFL. Not as enthr- not as engrossed as Mount West football, but we know what's going on essentially, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not in a position anymore where I can spend all of my Saturday and then also all of my Sunday watching football. So I I, I sort of have to pick and choose. <laughs> exactly. 
No, I do the same thing. I li- I listen to more random NFL stuff for entertaining shows or podcasts to get my NFL fix and I'll watch stuff here or there. But we're going from the other perspective. Like, hey, here's why you should totally draft Matt Arizer or why Ryan Stonehouse is getting a shaft, it seems like, despite him being literally the best punter of all time. And is it net punt? He's the number one? Uh, just average yards per punt. Whatever the punting category is for depth of punt, net punt, just booming the football out of the freaking stadium, that's Ryan Stonehouse. So We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So I guess here's where we're going to start. Here's the most likely – oh, NFL draft is Friday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. First round Thursday. Was it two and three Friday? And then four through seven Saturday, correct? Uh, as well as the free-for-all that we know as undrafted free agency after that. Yes. Oh, that's where, that's where we shine. That's where we get everything coming in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> undrafted stuff. That's Everybody's looking for a nugget on – like I tried to give it to Matt. Save on Scarborough. Come on. He will get undrafted signed. And somebody's going to go, who is this guy? We got you covered. There you go. Just a quick tidbit. Tied into record kick returns, seven total. So that's your record total, All-American, but – here, here, the guys who are probably gonna get drafted first. We'll start there. So okay. So, at, so can I can I define this tier a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, you definitely go for it. I was, yes. Because I th- I think of this first tier of guys as like if you were gonna bet money, you, what you're doing is you're saying these are the guys that are 100% gonna get drafted. And and you and I sort of put our heads together before we started recording, and if my memory is correct, we came up with a list of nine guys. Yes, nine guys right now. That, that we would be willing to put money on. So do you do you have them written down or do you need me to sort of write I have them right here? Matt Arises, okay. San Diego State punter. Okay. Chad Muma, Wyoming defender. Cameron Thompson, Aztec, uh, what edge rusher technically? Is that what he's called? Uh defensive sure, lineman, but... defensive end, yeah. Sure, do you add. Uh Troy Troy McBride, who uh tight end, number one tight end most likely off the board. Troy McBride, sorry, if I said Troy, I apologize. I wrote it down weird. Carson Strong, QB Nevada, wide receiver boy state, Khalil Shakir. Romeo Dubs, the I like to call him the 50 plus yard catcher. There you go. Wide there. Cole Turner. Yes, Josh. He's a tight end. And another tight end, Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. Yeah. So those guys, that's who we're looking to be drafted. The first couple guys we're looking at it was a mock draft data, NFL mock draft database, kind of scrolling through there. They have a couple guys draft projected to go in the no first rounders. I don't. There, it's weird. Mock drafts are fun, Matt, because I poke around here or there. I think they like to screw people just to mess around, just to make a difference. Not a difference, but to uh, spice it up. Because you can't just do the same mock draft over and over because that's boring. Mm-hmm. However, this year, like you mentioned before, you're not, you haven't done too many mock drafts, but there's no number one consensus pick, maybe Ada Hutchinson. There's random thoughts. Oh, Malik Wills, Liberty, not going to happen, number one. So that's what makes these mock drafts or just draft interesting. We don't know where they're going to go. And maybe we'll have a what was it? Was it 2018 Richard Penny somehow became the first round pick? Uh, yeah, to, to the Seattle Seahawks. So I don't know if we'll see that. Maybe Trey McBride. But the odds of the guys like in the first three rounds, who are we looking at? Trey McBride, Chad Muma. Um, I shoot my list one away. And Thomas. And Cameron, yes, and Thomas. Cameron Thompson. Thomas. Duh. Maybe I could maybe make a case for Carson Strong as a third rounder. Not because he's a third round dude, but because who doesn't want a quarterback? Everybody wants a freaking quarterback. Uh, so who's going to be a number one guy off the board? Who would you project to be? Let me. Let's. Who do you think it is? I think. Okay. So so guys. so let's talk about McBride for a second because you know you brought it up a minute ago about how it seems like the uh, the the analyst cognoscenti or whatever you want to call it is cooling on him a little bit. But if you actually take a closer look at this consensus mock draft that that website that puts together. 
What's really interesting is that even though Trey McBride is sort of is mocked 47th overall altogether, he is still the tight end one. Yes. And I think that that says less about him as an athlete as much as it does about some of the strength of, of other positions that teams are going to need in this year's draft. And so I'm thinking about like offensive tackle in particular, or, or just linemen in particular, it seems like there's sort of a, a surplus of guys who could step up. Like there's been a lot of conversation about like, you know, Evan Neal and Ikemic Kwonwu and uh, the other guy, Charles Cross, I think is from, uh, from Mississippi state as being, you know, the potential first left tackle off the board. But like those three guys could go in the top 10, top 15. And then, you know, you go further down, you talk about Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, Zion Johnson from Boston College, Tyler Lindebaum, who's far and away the best center in this draft, everybody seems to think. You know, so you you take a look at like that position of strength. You take a look at like, you know, wide receiver where even if, you know, there may not be any super duper slam dunks like Jamar Chase, I don't think there's any doubt that there's a litany of really quality receivers. Excuse in me, draft. Drake, so like, Drake London would like a word about that. Just saying. I mean, I'm not saying that Drake London is not very good, but yeah, but, you know, he, but he's also, he's also coming off of an ACL injury, is he not? Correct. Yes. So I think that it sort of has less to do with McBride as an individual or as a as a guy who could definitely fit a lot of teams' needs, as much as teams that are probably going to be looking elsewhere with those sort of early investment picks to to, to fill more critical positions need. Cause like when you think about it, you know, and, and up a roster, yeah. Would you rather have like the best tight end in the league or would you rather have, you know, a, like a, a top three left tackle? Give me Joe Thomas. That's what I want. Give me they, Nate Newton. Give and me and so, guys. and so I think, you know, you look at that, you'll know, interior lineman wide receiver. And I think probably the cornerback is the other one that seems to have, uh, you know, even beyond sauce Gardner out there in Cincinnati, you know, a few really strong contenders to be like, you know, top 15, top 20 picks. And so it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, someone in the late first round decided that they wanted to sort of add him as a weapon. Um, But again, it also wouldn't surprise me if he slid a little bit and ended up getting picked early on Friday instead through really no fault of his own. Like everybody keeps saying there's that this is a weak class. And I think that just has a lot more to do with, you know, the, the no true slam dunk number one Trevor Lawrence type guy than it is yes. about, you know, a lot of guys who, you know, some of them have, you know, some potential red flags. You know, I was listening to a conversation on another podcast recently. We were talking about Nicobe Dean, who for as look as good as he looked on film, there's still the reality that he's like, what, 5'11 and then 225 pounds, which is, you know, physically much smaller than a lot of other high-end linebackers have been in recent years like uh mm-hmm. like what's his name like like uh isaiah simmons and uh the I other guy who's, yeah Cowboys. yeah guys like that who are very rangy guys um so i but i think that like i said it's it's less about mcbride just more to do with sort of positions of, of need for a lot of teams that i think they're they're going to be dipping into that well first before they turn their attention to someone like mcbride if he's still there yeah and if you look at also Court there's wide receivers are getting better and better because the offense NFL is finally smarting up to oh, maybe we can do more, spread it out a little bit, like what the Eagles do, what the Chiefs do, mm-hmm. things like that. So, wide receivers can be more valuable because we we're talking before we'll get to this later. And you know, familiar what Debo Samuels does for the Niners, like how his ability is. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned like 
before that Percy Harvin, what he did, T, or even right, that kind of goes to when we get to Ronnie Rivers and Calvert Turner, those type of guys are more, val- more valuable and used more in the league. And so that's why you want more receivers are being taken early, not just for what Jamar Chase could do, but guys who can do multiple things getting the ball. And so that makes it, they just, they, the league passes more. It's all it comes down to. Running back yeah. is valuable. Receivers and, are great. And tight ends kind of are in between. Because if you look at the really quick, the franchise tag cost, like running backs, literally the lowest position besides, I think, kicker for franchise tag. Yeah. And that, that conversation, you can also rope Muma into it as well, because, you know, even though it's not as clear that there's like a clear cut number one linebacker in this class, the same way that it is for McBride at tight end, it reminded me of a, of a, of another podcast, a conversation I was listening to is one of the athletic podcasts uh, with Robert Mays. And I believe his name is Deontay Lee, who's a relatively new contributor. And they were talking about sort of how the linebacker position has evolved in, in the modern game where they're not really built the way that they used to, you know, th- like your, your Luke Keekley's and your Bobby Wagner's um, are sort of rare breeds that aren't necessarily in vogue anymore, just because the position demands something different, which is where you start seeing more guys like Parsons and Simmons getting drafted. They'll cover a wide receiver and do a decent job at it. It's not a guy you could just, oh, yeah. linebacker's guarding the tight end, you're screwed. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah, like you can't just come up and be a thumper anymore. You got to be able to do a lot in, in, in terms of like coverage and moving sideline to sideline. And so like, I don't think it's necessarily affecting Muma's draft stock in the same way, but they also made it clear that at least in terms of like this year's linebacker class, and I think it was Lee in particular who said this, he wouldn't take any of the linebackers in the first round, whether it's Muma, whether it's uh, Utah's Devin Lloyd, whether it's Nicobe Dean not or even, anybody like that. Oh man, not even Devin Lloyd. No, I know he's been slipping a little bit. Like I said, like I said, that was just one person's opinion, but he, I, I, well, he's I, been dropping a little bit, but he's like his coverage does leave a little bit to desire. Besides that, he's really good. But I, but I also think it's to Muma's credit that, you know, he is, he has shown a lot in his sort of, you know, couple of years as an impact player for the Cowboys and especially last year that, that he's in that sort of handful of linebackers that they think could be capable of doing that. So even if he's not going to be a first round pick, you know, I would be very shocked if he made it out of the second round, because I think, you know, same as with McBride, once everybody gets sort of has that initial need filled, whether it's linebacker or excuse me, whether it's cornerback, wide receiver, or whatever, you then I think you can start turning to a position like linebacker and filling it in with a quality athlete like Muma who can step in and probably contribute from day one. And also to consider with teams drafting, like you want to look at the I know it shouldn't matter too much, but your team history at college can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Because look what Wyoming has done with Logan Wilson. He's starting for the Bengals in what year two? Yeah. You have we'll get to our Andrew Wingard moment later on. You have him on defense. They have multiple guys on the Wyoming's defense to get drafted. Same with uh, San Diego State running backs. Essentially, maybe Greg Bell get a little bump just because with Donald Pumphrey, Shred Penny, those type of guys in the league, what they've been doing, or what's it like Rams wide receivers with Christian McBride a little bit here. How many guys been drafted and perform well? There might be a little bump because hey, they develop guys who are either make get drafted or make NFL roster and play well. So that could be a little, Hey, we'll take a, not that team would take him higher, but it's like, well, he may not fall that far because they know what Craig Bull's defense can do. And other guys in that exact same position, Logan Wilson, look what he's already done. Even yeah. though it's obviously a different player. And Wilson's like that guy too. He's, he played, didn't he start off as safety for the Wyoming Cowboys? I think at some points, somewhere in that range, like he was covering the guys a lot. So I remember 
as a freshman, you got a million that there's one game, some Matt game, you got multiple interceptions, like one game. But he's like covering guys over the field, maybe like a high. I'm guy. pretty sure he was just always a linebacker. He was just a maybe linebacker who was really good in coverage. Maybe that's all it was. Yeah. Maybe he's like, hey, instead of bringing an extra DB, he just drops back that nickel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall. But I remember yeah. him getting a lot of interceptions, not just tip balls or quick slants, but. Yeah. So, and then, so I, mean, I think that play, plays a part too for getting drafted. Like if your college team develops guys and brings guys in and they do on the pros, that might give you a little uptick over a guy. Like if it's tied or close, well, we'll stick him one spot ahead of his there because we know more about what this team has produced in the past five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and as for Thomas, who's the third guy in this sort of consensus top 64, which is more or less the first two rounds. I think he, I mean, I, I honestly think that he's been sort of his, his stock at least has been hamstrung a little bit by the fact that, you know, he had, what was it? The hamstring injury that he had, that he suffered during the senior bowl. And so he hasn't really been able to show out in this sort of pre-draft process in the same way that we've seen him show out week after week, you know, on, on the field over the last few yeah. years, which is, which is not to say like, I don't think he's going to fall out of the second round or anything like that. But I think that is really driven. That is really what has driven the cooling of his draft stock overall. Where you know maybe in January you can envision him being a late first round pick. I would think it's pretty safe to say he's probably going to be like a mid second round pick at worst at this point. But like you know whoever whoever gets him, you know you and me and every San Diego State fan out there knows exactly what they're going to get from him. Exactly. Like I'm looking at the Athletics, Dame Bugler's password pdf the beast whatever i'm trying to find mm-hmm. where he's ranked they have my computer's going a bit slow because it's 200 and something page i can't just command f and find it instantly <laughs> it's a cycle well he, he's the, he's he's the edge 16 and he's uh the 88th uh overall player on there is right his big okay, 88 yeah if him 88 you have mcbride 62 yeah i'm trying to scroll it's just taking his time but yeah so and Mom was actually higher at 44 overall mm-hmm. as the fourth linebacker taken. Yeah. So if you're going to put, like Mitchell kind of put some money on here, one of those, who's going to be taken first? I know it's team fit and everything. Who do you think will be the first guy taken? And there's a million scenarios, draft or trades, team need, and what all that type of stuff. Like, who do you think is the number one guy off the board for the Mountain West? I think it'll probably be Muma. Because I'm looking at that, I think I'm looking at that middle of the second round, and I'm looking at a lot of teams that could use a linebacker like him. Um, you know, they have him mocked in the consensus to Kansas City. Kansas City always needs defenders. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, Philadelphia has sort of shaky linebackers, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Um, Giants. Yeah. And so I, I can see any number of landing spots in the middle of that round two where I think somebody would definitely be happy to have picked him up. I think it'll be McBride. And if I'm going to be going to be like a bold and stupid pick, let's say he gets in the first round. Tight end is the first round of pretty rare as it is because, like, who does he? I should look up here. I, who did we compare him to in our in our in our profile? Uh, we we have not yet. Oh, it's not been. Oh, we're, we're still working on that one. Apologies, I throw some over the bus though. But I'm thinking like he's not like who's get like Jimmy Graham years ago. You have obviously Kelsey. You have uh, George Kittle. You have guys like receivers, and he's kind of like that. But like, if we're gonna look at the last couple of rounds, like who needs a tight end? Chiefs clearly don't need a tight end. Packers, eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Bucks, if Gronk doesn't come back, like that's a possibility there, but they also have OJ Howard who's still hanging around. Um, I was gonna say Bills, but they have Knox who Dalton Knox is really good. Cowboys have a tight end as well, already, and uh, Dalton Schultz. But maybe I don't know if you go to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, that'd be a pretty good fit if they were to take him. But they have um, who's the guy who, who played last year, tight end Turk? Oh, shoot, Robert Tonyan. 
Robert Tanya, and he was okay, but I'm not sure. They, but like those are a couple of teams, like maybe Green Bay, not Cincinnati. They got a tight end. Maybe yeah. Interestingly, I, I comped Tanya with, with with Bellinger actually. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, because Bellinger, he's like kind of a bigger tight end. He's more of the still pass catcher type guy, but not the as athletic. I would say, relatively speaking. Yeah, like those maybe those are a couple of teams that might take it, but he's not going higher than 25. And Titans, I don't know who their tight end is, but they got the AJ Brown situation. They don't have a who's a Calvin Ridley is gone now, obviously for the year. No Julio Jones, but they're looking to take a wide receiver. Jonah Jahan Jahan Dotson looks like the guy there make more sense than tight end. Mm-hmm. That's like me kind of guessing where he might go, but I don't know. We'll see how that could turn out. But they're yeah, just send them send, send them to Jacksonville. They need a tight end. They they need people for Trevor Lawrence to throw to, don't they? Think, uh, oh no, I do they? Think, well, they signed Evan Ingram. But like, yeah, like, they, do you really want to rely on Evan Ingram? Well, you're not taking him at 33. That's what I'm getting. Like, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I get it because they they spent the most money. They have Travis Etienne, who was hurt all last year. They had their their head coach is Doug Marone. He knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> he's a Super Bowl. He's been around, so oh, for sure, man. They de- they definitely know what they're doing down there. No, him, the coach, head coach Marone does. Mm. Or no, it's Doug Peterson. Wait, shoot. Who's your head coach? Shoot. Or is that the OC? See, we're not NFL people, so we shouldn't go off and spot <laughs> off like this. Anyway. The, re- the reason I bring up Doug Peterson because the guy I work with played in NFL, Doug Peterson. So I, oh, gotcha. Yes. That's why I got Doug Peterson, Doug Brown. Maybe, maybe they got all the Dougs in Jacksonville. Um, yes, Doug Peterson is down there in, in Jacksonville. I knew it was, but I don't know Marone. But I don't mean what's going on, but the coach, it's not it's not Urban Freaking Meyer anymore who knows doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. And I still believe he didn't really know who Aaron Donald was, no matter what he says. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because here's the funny thing about that, not to go too off topic, but we do. If you're going to deny anything, would you, like, if you screwed up, like, here's Matt, you did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, or people saying bad things about you, wouldn't you pick, like, the worst thing if it, say it wasn't true? Like, no, that's definitely not true. So either two things. He really thinks him not knowing Aaron Donald is the worst offense than telling his staff he hired a bunch of losers who don't win, who he hired because of what they did before because they won, but they're not losing. Whatever. It's a, it's a mess. But give Trevor Lawrence weapons. I don't know. Evan Ingram, he's fine for a year, but we'll see. But after these guys, um, what do you, let's move on to a couple of next-tier type players. It, it, we have one tier, but kind of second tier. Quarterback situation. Carson Strong. What is your thoughts about – because it's not a huge quarterback class. Could he potentially be – and I know this may not be the best comparison – have a Garrett Grayson-type draft where he gets picked like top 100 guy but never does anything just because teams want a quarterback. Remember, Grayson went – Yeah, I remember he was for Drew Brees. Pick. He was like 97th overall or something to like that. To the Saints, supposed to take over for Drew Brees. Is he better than that? Is he going to be taken too high because teams always want a QB? Oh man, that seems that's a that seems like a really loaded question. It is, I, but I think hard. but I think it honestly depends on the situation that he ends up in because I think if he mm-hmm. plays right away, that's probably not good for his chances of hanging around. But I think if he goes into a situation where he's not going to be forced to to come in right away, that he can take a year to sort of learn a system, you know, make sure that he stay, you know, keeps the knee healthy in particular. And I think that the knee is the one big thing that yeah. really sets him apart from basically everybody projected to go ahead of him. You know, Kenny Pickett, Blink Willis, and all the rest of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one guy in that group that has the serious medical red flag. And so 
Because his injury was preseason and in the bowl game, too. He wasn't going to play regardless who was coaching. Yeah, there was the article in the Washington Post where he noted that he's he's had two surgeries on it now. And he's got, like, some condition where the, the name of the exact name of it escapes me. But, it, I mean, it's something that obviously hasn't prevented him from playing, but it is something that a, that a professional team is going to monitor very closely as well as they can. And so... I honestly, like I said, I think it just depends on the situation. Like if, if somebody's going in expecting him to compete for the starting job right away, I don't know if it's going to be the best position for him in the long run. But if he can go in and learn from somebody who's been there before, and, and especially with a team with a strong offensive line, that I think is going to bode better for his chances in the long run. I just don't know offhand what team that might be. Let me write off a couple of teams that could make sense. You have I, first. My first instinct was go to Indianapolis Colts mm-hmm. because they brought in Matt Ryan to maybe a couple years because they have Jonathan what's his name Jonathan Taylor running back Michael Pittman good good team choked it versus the Jaguars last year yeah got rid of their quarterback but they did draft Sam Ellinger from Texas last year but it's like he was a six round pick like oh, maybe maybe not that's your six round pick I'm assuming Carson Strong would be about a fourth round does that sound about right. Maybe a late third, maybe. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm with you that I can see a quarterback needy league, you know, trying to be aggressive about picking him up, especially if a team because all it takes is one team to have a really good feeling about him exactly. to say, Start okay, paying. we're okay, we're willing to sign off on these medicals and, and and let's let's get him on our team, let's get him in the building. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could I would I would say sort of mid third round is maybe the ceiling for where I see him getting picked. So a couple of teams I'm looking at. I think the Colts depend about Sam Ellinger. It's like he's a six-round pick because he could be what the Texans did with David Davis Mills last year, where mm-hmm. he was a third-round pick and he did reasonably well. Had to come into play probably through due to Tyrod Taylor's injury. But a couple of teams that where he would have to play right away. I could see. I we mentioned uh, uh, New Orleans. They're going with Jameis Winston again. Like, all right, cool, <laughs> go for it. Taysom Mills on a quarterback there. Um, I could see, depending on what Seattle does, they, if they take like a first round pick, uh, top 10, they have the pick, uh, was it number nine or 10 or something, they're up there high. Mm-hmm. You have, oh, I had a handful of teams in front of Mills looking at, not the Chargers, not the Texans, not the Cowboys. Um, Steelers are going to need a quarterback, but he wouldn't go there and play right away. Um, not Green Bay because Jordan loves hanging around there. Uh, I, okay, I, I, have, I have one for you. I have like five teams. Go ahead before I ramble. My page isn't loading here. What do you got? Well, I have a team that's not picking until round three anyway. Oh. And what? that is that That's is your uh, your your defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Because <laughs> mm, you know, Ma- Matthew Stafford Matthew Stafford's not going anywhere. He's yeah, probably he's probably. probably a little better than John Wolford. Yeah, but yeah. but um, you know, best case scenario, like he's a third stringer and he gets to like be there and learn the Sean McVay way of doing things. Um. And like I said, they, they don't have a first or second round pick anyway. And even if quarterback may not necessarily be their biggest need right now, you know, they have picks in rounds three and four, you know, roughly 40 picks apart. So yeah, you know, I could see worse situations for him to land in. The only thing I'm worried, worried not worried, but kind of it blows my mind a little bit just because I know Tom Brady's not the norm. He's what, 44, going to keep playing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, Russell Williams, or not Russell Williams, Russell Wilson is like 32, 33. How many more years can you play? Mm-hmm. Like maybe six or seven? Uh, Matt Stafford's only 34. And so if he goes there, was he going to play three or four more years? 
I don't know. I just that's why debating like like even Aaron Rodgers agree made like Jordan Lover. They're gonna have a huge decision decision like two years for that option, that fifth year option essentially. Are they gonna keep around if Rodgers still playing as well as he could? But if that's their first pick. I think Aaron might pick it off with the player because OBJ's hurt. Robert Woods to come off the injury. But I didn't realize that was their first pick was number one hundred four in the third round. But I think yeah. I mean, I was he, I was also tempted. I was also tempted to throw Tennessee in there. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's okay. But I, I don't. See, like, but I don't know if they're gonna want to spend pick ninety on strong and then they don't pick again until pick 131 and i feel like there's a couple of other teams between those two picks that that might be willing to swoop in like you mentioned the colts they pick i think a couple times in in that you know sort of in between you know team like seattle might want to to pick them up or you know i think there's a few teams that are like a team like atlanta although I, i don't know that atlanta would be the best situation for him I think they're going to get one earlier to start them right away because they are you're two years too late on trading Matt Ryan. That's the problem yeah. with them. <laughs> they they got nothing. But like look at like Titans could be a good fit. Uh, I know um, Kyle Trask is with Tampa Bay. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they take a quarterback. But like I mentioned, Saints. I mentioned the Bucks. Titans. These depend. But the pick it depends. Titans want offense. They need wide receivers. Uh, I'm trying to see who else. Uh, maybe the, the Lions need a quarterback potentially because you got Jared Goff and that might not might not be a long term fit. Giants see the quarterback because Daniel Jones is going to be around. Minnesota could be a possibility with Kirk Cousins. That's like he's not going, he's going to be playing for you. Just signed the extended for like two more years guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That could be a possibility. That's a good high flying offense. Washington doesn't have a quarterback. But if you're looking for places to sit and sit for a couple of years, which he should, those are probably the handful of teams I'd be looking at. Uh, I don't think anybody else really pops up for me. Niners are not good, but they have a quarterback essentially, somebody, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoever it may be. <laughs> All right, let's see. We go to our punt situation here because ooh, this is the first time I have two punters drafted from the conference probably ever in the NFL draft history, I'm guessing. You know, I wish that I had access to Stathead to look that up. Should we actually pay for Stathead and get it now? Because, because, this stuff? because I mean, it's very rare that like multiple punters, period, get drafted. But, you know, the mystery for me, and, and this, is, this is no slight against Matt Ariza, who, you know, I think some analysts think that he is good enough to be a top 100 pick in this year's draft. A private, a private workout with the Chargers the other day. They they need a punter. So I, I understand <laughs> yeah. that. Um, it's just kind of interesting that punter has a private workout. Good for him, right? But, you know, I've been doing a lot of research writing all these draft profiles. And so just to, to use Dane Brugler and his his beast document as, a, as an example, you know, arises the, the punter one and, and Ryan Stonehouse is the punter six for some reason, but I haven't seen anything anywhere from, from any analysts, you know, nothing whatsoever that, that leads me, like, why should that be the case? Like, the only thing I could think of is that relative to a lot of the other punters in this class who, who could get picked, not, not just Ariza, but like Jordan Stout from Penn State is a name that you hear often, uh, Jake Camarda from Georgia. The one thing that those guys have on Stonehouse is they are much bigger than he is. You know, he's he's five nine and a half. A rise of the contrast is like six foot one. Uh, you know, stout by further contrast is like six foot three. And so, like maybe there's questions about that. Maybe there's questions about having kicked at elevation. But like if you look at his splits, you see that that's really a non-factor. You know, his his footwork improved year over year, and like. He also, uh, he holds the all-time record for net yard for not yet not net yards per punt for for just average yards per punt. 
Like he, he knows how to punt a football. And so and he's done it multiple years. Like nothing against Horizon, but he most broke out this last year. Career like was, record um, holder. Yeah, right. Stonehouse, that's what I'm getting at. Rise is great, was amazing this year, but Stonehouse has done it longer, which you would think would count for something. Well, he's done it from day one. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I understand that like you know Ariza was like like and I'm not gonna say one you're wondering in a derogatory way, like you know, he came out and did way better than anybody would have expected. Like record-breaking year. So given like given that he was a, he was a he was a given that he was like a pretty good kicker, but you know, we obviously weren't certain how that would translate to punting. And so I just don't know how to square the difference between them. Like if if I were an NFL team in need of a of a punter, I would strongly consider taking a late flyer, maybe not, maybe not like a third or fourth round flyer. But like if I had a if I had like three picks uh, a punter late, um, the, like the Chargers who have two picks in the in the excuse me three picks in the final there you 10, go. that's your team right there. Like the, I would seriously consider that. Yeah, it is odd. We're looking at him. They have him as a priority free agent. I just I haven't seen anything, and it and it just like as somebody who's watched that guy for years, it makes no sense to me. Is it the stupid five foot nine thing? I don't know. That's the thing. Like I've been looking, I've been looking, I've been trying to do like comparisons. I've been trying to do like, you know, what, what did people glean from his pro day? You know, what are, did anybody have any draft comps? Like what are, what are people worried about? And I haven't been able to find anything. It is odd for like how well he does. Uh, it's he'll, he'll get on a team. Like we're looking at this list here. Rises the first punter one. Jordan Stout, Jake Camarada, those are three guys who are graded as the draft, third mm. through fifth round. So he's done it. So it's it's like at some point production matters, right? Like yeah. he's proven it. So I don't know, man. All right. So who else is the big list when you get to it? Kalil Shakir, we haven't touched on. He was he shot up around Kalimur PFF was all over him recently, at least well, past month or so. Look how great this is. He's this, he's that, he's amazing. Um, you have Kalusha here, and then we have like and Romeo Dubs. How do we fit those two guys there? Because Dubs is legit, just deep threat and catches anything. Go deep and catch it, which kind of his thing. Which Mike Evans made a name for himself doing that with Texan and Johnny Manziel just chucking it. Maybe he made Manziel look better than he really was in college. But I think Dubs is kind of like college version of Mike Evans, but not quite as good. Obviously, I I don't think that's a fair comparison because Mike Evans no? is Mike Evans is literally doing something that no wide receiver ever no. has done, which is just consecutive college like, receiver. That's been college. He but also they aren't, they aren't, they aren't built the same either. That's the other thing. No, no, I, just, I mean, the, I the thing like about the, the thing about dubs. And I think that he and Cameron Thomas are sort of in the same boat where he didn't really get a chance to, to perform throughout the pre-draft process either because of injuries. And so I think his draft stock has fallen um, as a result of that, you know, more so than Thomas's has. And so, you know, from there, I'm just not sure. Like, I I think of that group of nine that we mentioned to begin with, I think that dubs is likely to be the one to be picked last. I agree with that. It's because it's right. Like what he does, it just, he was catching amazing things, but you can't just be a one type of guy. He would be, four for 160 like literally four for 120 and three touchdowns or two touchdowns once or twice he would have he doesn't have the volume catches so if he, he he's almost like you know, this might be a better comparison may, yeah maybe my evans was the greatest thing of what menzel would just chuck it to him and he'd catch it all the time but maybe it's more of a, a will fuller type what he does with the texans and now with the dolphins and forget i think i think he's back with is with the browns where he is literally almost like a boomer bust type of guy 
where it was all deep stuff and then nothing else, nothing in between. It's either huge, huge game or one for 12 or something. It seems like that might be the better comparison. Cause he's sitting here like as a wide receiver, 27, six round pick potentially, whereas Shakir is a fourth round guy as a top 20. See, I don't understand why Shakir is that low. I know. I, that's weird. Too. I just, I, I haven't even looked at these rankings super close. I read their profiles. It feels stuff, like he should be a day two pick. Like, I think if I were an NFL team, I would be strongly considering him that early. He is in this ranking the first guy outside of a day two pick. Hmm. I think the one reason be could be think of this 15 wide receivers going to the top 100 picks. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. They're looking at six wide, maybe six wide receivers in the first round alone. It's a passing league. I that's, that's the point. That's why him going in the fourth round may be, which might be the case just because there's so maybe you're right. Maybe it should be higher, but I mean, there's so many receivers. You have Calvin Austin from Memphis is really good. You have all these guys like Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. You have John, John Michi from Alabama. It's like you got all these guys, James will, will Williams, Williams will be a first round pick. He's still have the ACL stuff recovered from a little bit. Chris Olave, you have Drake London, you have all these guys who are amazing wide receivers who are good. I think isn't Garrett Wilson in the draft too? Yes. Or is he back? I'm looking on this list. I didn't see him. I'm like, okay. But there's all these receivers that are so good. You have a North Dakota State guy who's right up higher than Christian Watson. Christian Watson. It could be with um, we look at Shakir again. It might be him being five eleven. And then you have here's interesting interesting thing right here. What Wendell Robinson five eight. Calvin Austin, 5'7", Shakir, 5'11". Those guys are 14, 15, 16. The only guy under six feet in the top higher is you have, uh, who is it? Uh, Johan Dotson, or not Dotson, sorry. Sky Moore from Western Michigan, 5'9". Oh, and Dotson, 5'10". So it's not necessarily a height thing. So I don't know why he would be that much lower when it could be, I don't know, because it's weird. Because you know in the NFL, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll find you if you're good. That's well, we true. Stay with, take, with the Offensive line issues they had, like Hank Bogkamar was fine, but not amazing. Even with all that, he was still putting up good numbers and doing good things. And he's a bit more, I don't know, versatile with some guys, but. Well, yeah, he was, he, he was like very clearly their number one option for two years oh, running. Yeah. And, yeah, and, he, they, and they, they fed him like it. And, and it was more than just, you know, making, you know, what seemed like a highlight catch every single week. Like he was the guy in that offense. Not and not just by doing one thing. Like he's a guy who proved he can play inside and outside. Yeah. Unlike you know, unlike I think a lot of other you know wide receiver prospects who may be a little more limited to maybe playing out of the slot or something like that. I think Shakir has the capacity to do both, and I think that a team is going to be lucky if they give him the opportunity to do so. One possibility, and this is just me thinking outside the box a little bit. They Dane Bugle also puts the age in here. Mm-hmm. He is a senior. I know you have to wait three years, and then you have the depending on people with COVID come back and all that stuff years before. Not that he's older, but uh, he's one of the everybody above him essentially, except for Calvin Austin and like only a couple of guys, like Joan Tolbert. A couple of guys are older than him. Most people are twenty one and younger years. He goes, "What is is what's twenty one point like seven seven? Is that divided by the full year? I don't know what that is." Yeah, basically, it means he's like twenty one, and he's like three months away from his. That's the uh, thing. It's like October it's 22nd birthday. Yeah. yeah which yeah, which, like, which kind of is something that I think is worth bringing up because, you know, it's something that you hear a little bit about in a lot of draft, in a lot of previous draft seasons. 
But I think it's something that you hear, or at least I've heard a lot about in this draft season is how, you know, when you're paying a premium for talent, you want talent that you think is going to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, that's why, you know, some of the guys who, you know, we may like them, we may think that they're talented Charles Williams contributors. Might be a great example. Yeah. We'll talk about more about him and others like him in a minute, but like age is going to play a significant difference because teams, teams want upside in, in, in addition to present value. And, you know, there are a lot of guys in the Mountain West and I'm thinking particularly about basically everybody who took the extra year uh, to come back, you know, to play as a super senior, you know, the, like it or not, that's going to impact their their draft standing because you know if a team has an option between a guy who looks like he might be maxed out versus a guy that you know they project some growth or they think they can refine him just a little bit more they're going to go with that second guy every single time but i don't know yeah, that i don't know if that shakir fits into that group like he played not quite i just noticed a touch older but not really not like maybe a year max but it's not like but, but i also here. think you know related to that you know there's you know i think a lot of projection systems and thinking of like you know playmaker score and q base at, at football outsiders for mm-hmm. instance mm-hmm. a lot of them do penalize people who don't come out as underclassmen and so rather than looking at age i look at the reality that Khalil Shakir came out as a senior and basically everybody in that top six or seven outside of Chris Olave came out as a junior. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, London, Traylon Burks, all those guys are juniors. And so that I think plays you know, more of a factor than, than simply age does. Well, one interesting thing here, there's this guy from Tennessee. They don't mention, I wish they would put here, the, he just puts redshirt senior, doesn't necessarily put like six, seven, whatever mm-hmm. it would be, I guess, seven year guy. Oh, Bellis Jones. Yeah, Velas Jones, he's almost 26 years, 45 years old. He's 24.96. And there's you guys too, like that's kind of with BYU. If those players go on their like their church mission a couple of years and you want actually you want upsides, like, yeah, they production's great, but man, they're only a rich, they're only like a true junior, but they're really actually five years removed from high school. It's like, well, why would I want to wait for another year, even if it's just one more year mm-hmm. to get that year older? It's like with Tasty Mill, I'm like, he's already what age? Like, are these certain guys who have been around for a while? for BYU were that two years where, yeah, you're not playing football. You're not playing as great. You're just not growing athletically for the most part, like hardly any. Well, here, here's any another thing. I'm doing, just, so. here's another thing I'm just noticing and looking at this long list of wide receiver prospects uh, of the, uh, of what the top 48 guys that, that Brugler has listed here. Do you realize mm-hmm. that Shakir has a smaller wingspan than all but two of them? Yeah, what, 29 is that no not that's not wingspan that's uh yeah 29 is arm be... size nine and a half is hand size those are fine his wingspan Sorry, is 70, far, 70 and three eighths inches the only two wide receivers in this top 48 that Brugel has listed that have a smaller wingspan Devin Tompkins Utah oh, State boy. we'll get to him and uh and the ageless wonder Britton Covey Britton Covey oh my goodness that's a good Oh my goodness. He, oh man. So you have to think that you have to think that might play a factor as well, because if you're looking for guys who can stretch the field, like you want to have some catch radius too. And and maybe that's something that, you know, some NFL teams are sort of not, not to say that they're gun shy, but they're looking at that and they're sort of, you know, rubbing their fingers on their chins thinking. He also missed out uh, Wandell Robinson in Kentucky. Oh yes. Okay. You're right. (laughs) I'm like, they're like seven, seven, six. I just happened to be in that area. Yeah. But that is an issue because 
going over the top, go over the middle, stretching out. Like you want some, like they see a possession guy. Oh, like at the big wingspan, like the tight ends essentially kind of a little bit. Oh, we'll get him on the, on those out pattern where he can just reach over and get it. Or if you dare run a fade, that's not Cole Turner. You're in trouble regardless, but that does make a difference for, because DBs typically they're kind of a little bigger, but they're not like six, two. They're still typically mm-hmm. like maybe six feet if at the most essentially. And Shakir is sitting there at five eleven. It might just be possibly a size thing, but Calvin on here's it's weird. Calvin Austin, this is we'll move on for this, but I find this fascinating. Calvin Austin, five foot seven, wingspan seventy three inches. <laughs> yeah, he also runs a four three two. I'm just I know, but that I know, but that's smaller. But he has a wingspan. It's like okay, that's bigger than a handful of people. He's, dude, I know he's not no Traylon Burks who's seventy nine and one eighth, which is wild. You love that. You love the tiny guy who runs super fast. Always. That's what that's what you want, right? That's why Devin, uh, what's his name? Um, Speaking of tiny Austin. guys who run super fast. Who's next? Who we got? Good move. Well, I mean, that could transition to sort of our, our second tier, which is, which is, which is, which is, which are guys that may not, you know, if, if we're not a hundred percent sure, we're at least better than 50% sure that they're going to be drafted. So like, maybe it's not a slam dunk, but we think that they probably will be. I would be more on this list. Here's the way I'd put it. We have one, two. We already mentioned. We have seven guys. Yeah. I would be shocked. I would be, I bet at least like a 50, 50. I would be, if four are not drafted, I'd be surprised on that list. Like if it was less than four, fewer Mm -hmm. than four. Yeah. So for the, for, for the sake of posterity, the group of seven guys we have here, Derek Deese Jr. Tight end from San Jose state. uh, William Dunkel, offensive lineman from San Diego state. Jordan Jackson, defensive lineman from Air Force. Uh, Ronnie Rivers, you mentioned a minute ago, running back Fresno State. Ryan Stonehouse, we talked about already. Uh, Zachary Thomas, offensive lineman, San Diego State. And Devin Tompkins, we just brought up a minute ago. Exactly. Who are you most confident that group being drafted? I think it's probably one of the two San Diego State linemen. And I say that because, and and I think of those two, I would probably put my money on Dunkel in particular because it seems like he has some pretty strong proponents on his side even though he's definitely got some things to work on and like one of one of my favorite things in in sort of reading draft profiles was uh, over a touchdown wire I believe it was Doug uh, Farrar who who phrased the way that Dunkel run blocks as you know being basically quote your favorite bouncer <laughs> which just uh, sounds right. Like, even if you go look at his pro football focus grades, like that's how he made his bones over the last couple of years too, was just being a road grader. Uh, you know, I've seen multiple people and I think our, our guy Irwin also comped him to someone like Mike Upati as a guy who's just, you know, willing to be in the trenches, get dirty and just manhandle, you know, de- interior defensive linemen. But, you know, he's a big dude. He's going to have to work on, on improving that initial burst a little bit. But I think of that group of seven guys, he would probably be the one I'd be most comfortable putting money on that he, to say, yeah, he's, even if I don't think he's definitely going to be drafted, he's the one I'm most confident about being drafted. Yeah, looking at Brugler's list, he's the first guy. Also, it's, why did he put label him as Bill Dunkel? Did you know I have that? no idea. A lot of people were. I, I put a search, I'm like, I do command F. I'm like, okay, William Dunkel. I'm like, why is he not listed? I put Dunkel. I'm like, okay. Uh, but then he has Zach Thomas as a sixth and seventh round pick, mm-hmm. but he's not fast, which I don't care if your lineman's fast or not. You're not, the lineman's not running 40 yards down the field. 
What he needs, what he needs is that that ten yard split. Yeah, that's Rowan the five, ten yard split or that first. It's like the I remember I watch MythBusters all the time. They had the. Did you ever see? The, I don't know if you watch it. But there's an episode where the ten yard race between a Formula One car and a, and a track star. Uh, just because. No, I have not seen that. Okay, it's just interesting because how long it does it take the car to get going? That's what they're trying to say. Oh, okay. How fast? Like, could the like what's obviously the race car's faster clearly no we're not idiots but if it's a short five like a 10 yard or 10 meter wherever they chose could the track star be close mm-hmm. I mean, they were kind of close sometimes okay they were they I, I don't know if they won or whatever but by the time it takes the car to get going and engine going that burst is there and so think of the line i don't know if my comparison that story is even worthwhile but you're right that first burst is more important that can you beat that center or the deep nuts and a nose tackle? Can you beat the edge rusher who, if you're playing on the outside, that's what's more important. Your first like two to four steps, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's a bigger guy. Like he's three, almost three thirty, which is not uh, for a guard. And a guard doesn't need to be fast. But it's more of a tackle. So the speed, I don't care if it's five, four, four, I, I could care less really, but, but also it comes back to this, like pedigree, San Diego state has good running backs, running backs in the NFL. They run offense. The NFL likes, He's just not an elite guy, but I think he has a pretty good chance to do it. Like any Aztec lineman, like, oh, yeah, they have good running games. Why do they have a good running attack? attack? Because, well, they have a good offensive line that opens the holes and let them right, run straight through. There you go. So, but I honestly think because everybody knows I'm an offensive guy. I like offense. Okay. Ronnie Rivers is a guy who should be drafted, and he's a versatile guy, a running back. And like we, I mentioned before, before we recorded, like half kidding, but – we, we have like Christian McCaffrey. He not that Rivers are coming to be just like that, but McCaffrey, when he's not injured, is getting what 80 catches. And we mentioned like your guy Debo Samuels, like running, you catch the ball, pass the not pass, but catch and run. Rivers, we remember, I remember that, and he also returns kicks too. He's a return guy, so he does multiple things pretty good. So, with him being a returner, potentially in the NFL, running, running the way he does, I know size, there's stuff there, but in catching too, I think teams would want that depending on the team he'd go to, I think he's a guy that I would like the most see what he could do. Similar, we'll get to later, like Calvin Turner Jr., just all the difference they can do. NFL wants those type of guys where you don't necessarily have to be a running back for three. You can't be Adrian Peterson being amazing, but you can't catch the ball. So you're, you're taken out on certain situations and you're basically tipping the hand to the defense of what they're going to do. Okay, so, so here's the thing, though. Is that, and I'm going to compare Rivers to Devin Tompkins for a moment, even though they play different positions, because okay. they're they're built physically pretty similar. Like Tompkins is five six and change, Ronnie Rivers yeah. is five seven and a half. The That's big the difference point. is that Tompkins is is a tenth of a second faster in the forty, and yeah. and also like relative to basically every other running back prospect in this year's class. Um, except for maybe uh, C.J. Burdell in Oregon, he is also smaller than all of them. So he's not going to play the same kind of role on an NFL roster that he did at Fresno State. And so for all of that utility, how much use is an NFL team going to be able to get out of it? And when you combine that with the fact that, you know, he's sort of been hampered off and on by injuries over the last couple of years. And as we mentioned before, age is going to play a factor too. I think that I think that teams are going to be more likely, like if they're looking for sort of a change of pace running back, you know, they might be looking at you know other guys like you know Jaron Ely, 
from uh, from Ole Miss or uh, you know Jerome Ford from Cincinnati or something like that. Like there are enough running backs who yeah again they might not be first round picks anymore, um, but I think there's a, it's sort of a numbers game in this regard where like yeah I think that I, I would think that he deserves to be drafted. But I could see a situation where enough teams think just a little more highly of an other running back prospects that he gets up getting squeezed out as a result. I get that. He's listed as the 40th running back here. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking, I didn't realize, first, I didn't think he's that small. I know he's smaller and that does, he's not super fast, four, five, three. It's in the age, too. There's a lot of stuff going against him. I just think my main point, like if you're versatile, you'll find a spot in the team for you. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm getting. Like if he returns kicks, returns punts, catch the ball. You split him out a little bit. He'll get a quit, like uh, some sort of read option type of play with the quarterbacks doing those type of things. It's going to be kind of a longer shot. I just, there, there's a million things against him, but I just, we just like how, what he can do in play. I know it doesn't always translate to the next level because yeah. of a million different reasons. I just like, if you can do a lot of different things, like save on Scarf, we'll talk about second. And he returns kicks. Well, but is that worth enough to take him? Is he, he has to be good and you can't just be okay at everything. You have to be at least above average at one or two things. Exactly. And River, I, when he's on, he's good to do it. But how many times you can hand the ball off to a five seven running back because not having two hundred pounds, and consistently enough. And so that's where I'm like, oh, the toss sweep, the move him out to do a quick pass. I don't know. I just like for what his production wise. I know. I know. I'm pretty sure he'll get a shot, but uh, I just. I just like what he played and like what he could do on offense. And I think a team, if he goes, it's also a fit. Like there's a million teams like, Oh, you go to the wrong team. You're screwed. And so now, see, might be before the, we started recording, I know that you had another person in mind for that kind of role that you thought Calvin would be a better fit. So let's, let's go to our third tier then. And so that <laughs> way, that way you can uh, wax rhapsodic about Calvin Turner jr. From Hawaii. We can bounce back and because forth. yeah, because our third tier is guys that, we could probably make a case for them to be drafted, but we're, if you want to put it in terms of percentages, maybe under 50% confidence that they're actually going to get drafted. And so, so what is, so sorry, go ahead. Continue. Oh no, I was going to say, do you want me to list the names or do you want to ask your question first? Go for it. Go with the names first. Okay. So here's what we have. And you can correct me if I'm missing anybody. So uh, I have uh, Greg Bell running back, San Diego state, Keegan Kreider center from Wyoming. Taylor Hawkins, cornerback, oh, yeah, uh, San Diego State. Uh, Aaron Mosby, uh, defensive end slash linebacker from Fresno State. Uh, Scott Patchen, uh, defensive lineman, Colorado State. Jack Snyder, who everybody seems to be projecting as an interior offensive lineman now from San Jose State. Uh, Calvert Turner Jr., we mentioned already. And Charles Williams from UNLV. Yes. So... Do we know what – okay, I'm looking right here, Kelvin Turner's stuff. And he's li- technically listed as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's actually one spot ahead of Sanford. Should we include Sanford Scarver in that list or no? I'll allow it because I know that, I know okay. that you like – I know that you like Sanford Scarver. It, it's also – it's our podcast. Who's going to stop us? Yeah, it is. Yeah, come on. They, Utah State wants – I know he hasn't been a shiny wide receiver, Scarver, but, again, if, if he's a well above average return man – and you're and you're and you can be a team's number five wide receiver, you're gonna make the roster. And he's decent speed, four, four, four. But returner, so oh, they do have 10, 10 yard splits here. Did you notice that under the I rest did, yeah. of the rest? That's good to know. I didn't see that part. I skimmed through and just command F and find all these profiles. I didn't go through line by line. But Turner, like you saw what he did. I know he played it 
what Jackson FCS non scholarship FCS I think came to Hawaii did Jacksonville well. Jacksonville I know it's Jacksonville is Jackson State Jacksonville State who beat Florida State I think or one of those this year no they, that's it's the one that shut down the program which is why I ended up in Hawaii in the first place gotcha okay I was trying to think there's a lot of them but uh 511 so his size isn't tear is fine for a receiver you don't have to be huge because you look at other guys like unless you're like a giant so it's like you don't want to whatever his his height is not a big issue his versatility he, I don't know if he'll get drafted. It's probably unlikely. Like if he goes, I mentioned he's for Eagles. We'll do something with him. The Chiefs could do something fun with him. We look at teams that are uh, the the Ravens could possibly what they like to do. And they were so injured last year. It's like give us all the running backs, give us all the wide receivers. We don't care if you're out there. We need you. They lost so many guys last year. But I just think like even when I when I were mentioning all these other guys, like even Ronnie Rivers, Turner was is a more receiver than a running back. Maybe the Patriots are getting a little better at what they're doing, but not really. Seattle possibly, but they don't have a quarterback, so who knows what they're going to do. Um, Shanahan, he, he can sometimes do some fun things with the Niners in their offense, those type of stuff. But I just like for what, what we've seen him do, and whenever he touches the ball, something good seems to happen. And he'll be a guy – He he's, so we call him – can I give him my Andrew Winger award at what we're doing here? Is that where we're heading right now at this moment? So do you, want, do you want to explain say, that for the listeners? Yeah, undrafted guy who goes awesome and starting in the next two years. Simple as that. He's with the Bills. Yeah. So, so, so to, to <laughs> not, dive, wait, Bill. Wait. So to refine that definition here. a little bit, what we sort of yeah, settled so upon before recording is, generally speaking, the the Andrew Wingard corollary is sort of what we're informally calling it is when you and me and Mountain West fans watch a guy week after week for years, we know that they're good. And somehow NFL teams look past him. He signs somewhere as an undrafted free agent, but then he ends up being a starter anyway. You could also call this like Malik Reed was a starter for a time last year, was he not? Or is he like a role uh, player? I could see. Was Demonte Casey undrafted, the Aztecs guy? I believe he was like a fifth or a sixth round pick. Okay, okay, doesn't quite fit. But you know, but there there are a few guys, and but and and Wingard is just sort of the most recent example that comes to mind. And, and I think he actually outperformed somebody who the Jaguars drafted, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew, Andre Cisco. Yes. Sorry. I say the Bills. I don't know why I think of that, but it was Jacksonville. I said that before as well. <laughs> yeah. So so Turner is your pick to be that dude. Is that him what you're saying? Devin Tom- him or Devin Tompkins. Okay. Tompkins being 5'6", that's that small receiver's tough. But with what – because it's also production. It's like if you're catching that many balls and making big plays, you're going you're gonna to be noticed – and Turner does, I don't know what, like I said, what he, again, Percy, like we mentioned before, I, I, I'll repeat if I said it earlier, but we said a pre-show, Debo Samuels, Percy Harvin, all these guys who've done different things, who get the ball in a million different ways are valuable, not just because, oh, he can take up one and a half positions. Like he's our third running back who might get four carries a game, but he'll get a handful of targets too, as wide receiver four and running back three. Mm-hmm. That equals whatever. It gets rid of a guy who, and he return, he'll return stuff as well. So maybe he takes up two full positions for what he can do. If he's a half receiver, half running back and a, and a returner, I just, it, it, the problem with him, what they'll probably come across. Well, how much high level competition do you go against? You're at FCS, you're at, you're at Hawaii, but yet the one Hawaii, one of the white teams who went to the Mountain West title game with them. They were playing a couple like recently. So I just think for what he can do and how it once Hawaii figured out they can get him the ball, he made plays. And 
I'm not going to say he's going to be a guy who gets 15 targets in the NFL, but if he's a guy who gets a handful and he averages 10 yards a touch or something, that's, that's pretty valuable to get do. And I think that's a, for what he can do overall, every time he gets the ball, he's not, he's not huge, but he's also, he's about 200 pounds, which is fine for a receiver. He, his speed is okay. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. It was a, what's his 44 or a four, four, you know, like, um, Cooper cup is not very fast either. Did people realize mm-hmm. he's not a super speedy guy? He just gets over to makes plays. Came out from Eastern Washington is killing it with the Rams. So not, I'm not comparing the two, but you don't need to be a super speedy guy. I just like, we saw him even throw the ball a couple of times, like get him a team. You could throw a touchdown pass for him. Maybe I, I just like, I like versatile guys in the NFL. And if you're a guy who's a fringe guy, who's not a for sure top 40 guy, like Trey McBride or Cole Turner or Kalisha here, not a for sure guy be picked. You got to do multiple things to make a roster and Turner he was all, honestly, I wish he had one more year because I wish he had one more year to play because he's must watch football for why for what they did offense, passing the ball around, getting to the ball, and doing other things. He's just an exciting player. And I want to, I hope he gets a chance to, I want to see him like maybe save on Scarver potentially. I think it's lower in the list, Evan Tompkins, Ronnie Rivers. I want guys who do multiple things and do that type of stuff, get a chance and maybe make a roster. It'll be tough, but we'll see. Now, see, my pit, my, my at least my initial pick for that sort of Andrew Wingard tier. It is Kreider. And I think that maybe says something about how to my untrained eyes, I don't know what makes a good center prospect. Like, like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, going back to Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, like he seems to like, even despite the leg injury he suffered in the bowl game, like he seems to be far and away, like the best and maybe only first round uh, center in this year's draft you know, despite being a little bit undersized and all that. But like between him and Kreider, at least um, in Brugler's list, there's like 20 dudes between there. And all I can think about is, okay, well, I've seen Kreider for like three or four years now. You know, he was a former freshman All-American. He's been on the all-conference team multiple times. Why? And, And I see a situation where like he goes undrafted and then ends up basically being sort of like the next iteration of, of one of his predecessors, Chase Roulier, who, if I remember, if memory serves as a sixth round draft pick, I want to say like five Washington. or six years ago, um, still the starter for, for the commanders. Yeah. Uh, and and ironically, ironically, his backup is, is a guy you mentioned. I can't remember if you mentioned him on or before the recording. Tyler Larson also fits Correct, in that group, yeah. but he is also... And and I think coincidentally, Keith Ismail, former <laughs> San Diego State Aztec, is the is listed as the third stringer on the 2021 depth chart. So at least you know the commanders seem to be familiar with those kinds of guys. And and maybe if they, they don't need a center, I would imagine a situation where you know that it's a sneaky important position that you want to make sure you have locked down that somebody could you know sign him as a as an undrafted free agent, but he ends up starting or at least being a, a contributor somewhere. Yeah, it's it is hard to evaluate in the center. It's like, what did they? And this is this I, is where I wish we had been able to talk to someone about this to be like, okay, what exactly is the deal between a guy like Kreider and a guy like Linderbaum? Exactly. It's. it's a, it, I guess it'll remain a mystery for another year. So what about you? Been you wanted to add Justin Rice to the list as a long shot guy? Yeah, I had like, I had I, you know I had him in mind, and I also had Deron Bland from Fresno State. With Rice, I think the production, him playing linebacker and being 
first team Mountain West, all Mountain West, all Sun Belt when he transferred back and forth. I don't know if there's a thing where, oh, I went to three different schools. Because when he left for Arkansas State, was it before? I think it was before the Mountain West said they weren't playing, right? Because didn't he, like, leave? It was, I remember it was during our top 50 list. Like, we did our player of the year preseason stuff. Yeah, it was, it was in, like, July or August. And then, he, and then he landed the at Arkansas State relatively soon after that. I wonder if it was after the Mountain West that we're not playing. I can't to remember the exact timeline. Yeah. So I wonder if teams like, well, you put in three different schools. Why is that? There's all weird stuff they ask at the combine, stupid questions in your interviews. So I, you never know what's being asked about him. But I think his production-wise could be a shot shot. But then we have guys like Charles Williams, who we brought up too, who all-time leading rush at UNLV, running back, stupid older. He's a, was, he, was he a fifth-year senior? Um, at, least a, at least a at least a senior four year guy, and no, he was I believe he was a fifth year senior because he and, redshirted one year when he had an injury back I believe in 2017. And so that kind of it's for special specifically running back and aging is a problem. Yeah, where it's like if he's coming out and almost I want him to be the guy to snap you on all these streak though. What's their streak? I, I'm not familiar with how long it's been since they had a guy drafted. They have not had a player drafted since, I believe, 2010. Uh, Joe Hawley was the last guy who was drafted. Is that the longest streak we've had in the Mountain West? Um, or Air Force off the top of my head, I am pretty sure that's the longest streak, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw something somewhere. I should look it up. I know Pete, if you take over at College Football News, put something like best draft pick. From each team, I know Air. I remember that some Air Force. I would have been like last year. What the offensive line? I think last year or two would have been selected. But he has a talent when he gets out there. But he's like a bulls bulldozing big type of guy. Weight five nine two hundred. I find him right here, number sixty three running back overall. He's he's not getting drafted, obviously. Um, not super fast, a four or five. He just he's big enough a guy, like kind of a. Like his size wise, kind of square out there where he can go out there and make some plays. But uh, I think he'll get a free agent signing. But when you're running back 63, that's kind of tough, right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an uphill climb. Yeah. Hey, who was it? Um, was he the running back? Or I forget who did Mark, Mark not Mark's right. Um, Tony Sanchez get pissed at and they finally had a big game. Was it Charles Williams or was it the other running back? I forget. I believe it was Lexington Thomas, was it not? Okay, I think I think of a name. I couldn't find out. So yeah, it would have been Lexington Thomas. But William, the production's there. It's just yeah, your Mountain West running back, your UNLV, you're a fifth year guy coming out of college. So it's like not super fast. You're just fine, essentially. What he is. I'm still rooting for anybody him else. Anyway. Yeah, no, so am I. Because he he clearly can play and did well on the field. It's yeah. Anybody else when you get to you want to chat about any other drafts? tidbits for me to get to people out there uh Any bold and stupid picks we want to make <laughs> uh nothing that immediately comes to mind i think i'm all set okay so the draft this week thursday friday saturday we have our profiles coming forth through this week we have quite a few a couple we've dozen, got about a dozen more between before. now and wednesday coming we didn't mention hold on really quick cole turner we didn't touch on him is he going to be a top 100 pick no no, is he a wide receiver or is he a tight end, as Josh would like to know? <laughs> I mean, I think he'll get drafted as a tight end. Yeah, I don't really see him playing a lot of in-line, though. Yeah, it makes sense. So that, that, he could be a good fit like, if he's like a fifth-round guy. Yeah, so that sounds about but right. But he, he just needs to be the uh, – you know what he could be? This is, this is so off-topic, it would be hilarious. Um, let's just say – okay, this is I'm not going to be mean to say about it, but have you been tuning into the, to the USFL at all? 
Uh, I watched a little bit of yesterday's game. Yeah. Did you see there's well, what, did you see there's a three point play now? I did not see that. No, I heard so about it, convert- but I didn't see it. There's one that's converted. It's from the ten yard line. He could be te- maybe maybe the NFL should just adopt this, or maybe it's a two point play in the NFL. It goes from ten yard line. That's perfect fade distance for him, right? He can be the three point specialist for the USFL. I mean, you never know. I'm just sorry. the NFL. The NFL is always too- looking to boost offense, so you never know. I'm just saying, I don't want. I just thought of that because oh, 10 yards out, that's a that gives you time to get to the corner because the two yard fades like they just throw it instantly and there's not time to get any separation. When you was it the two or three yard? Not that that matters to historically. Play? No, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But he he's a guy we didn't really mention. But he he catches everything that comes his way. And I know the fade's kind of funny. We joke about he doesn't drop it or it's always we say don't do it except to him. But he uh, he makes a good plays there. But anything. I don't know what will happen. Like, is there going to be, let me ask you this. Here's the last thing I'll ask, we'll wrap on. Is there a player you think that teams are just going to stay away from? Like, oh, that first group, McBride, Thomas, Ariza, Bellinger, that's just going to sink for some unknown reason. And you could say, I don't know, because it's NFL draft is weird for trades and what teams really want or don't want. I mean, I think if I had to pick one player it would, from the first group, it would probably be Dubs. But I think, I so but, I think it has, but I think it has just has to do with more of a numbers game just because, as we talked about earlier, wide receiver is super deep in this year's class. Yeah, that's the reason because it may, it may – and that could be a good thing too for some of these guys. I know for contract-wise it's not good. They want to get that second deal because if you're not a first-round pick, you don't get that fifth-year option. Yeah. But if you're a guy who goes later, not because you're not good, but like I said, the depth of the position – like, let's just say Dubs goes to a team. Oh, you know what I should, I got one more thing before I'll be funny. But you're right. Dubs goes to a fifth round pick to say, let's, I think honestly, a good fit would be Tennessee. Even if they draft the Penn State receiver or somebody early on in their first round pick, if he goes to a place like Tennessee, you need a receiver, he could come out there and shine and be a later pick and be good mm-hmm. for a run, like with some sort of team that needs the receiver. Atlanta needs that. They need to throw a line. They got, um, the who is it the tight end they got last year i forget who it is um pitts right Kyle pitts, yeah. Kyle pitts yeah so a place like that maybe goes to texans and off receiver and they could throw to him down the field like going to a team that's oak i think for him a mediocre team might be best at need receiver so he could be a wide receiver three but a fifth round pick a wide receiver three and you play well like that could be a pretty good idea mm-hmm. here's my real question matt what who are the dallas cowboys going to take from boise state this year <laughs> Ooh, okay, good question. Uh, is it only Shakir the only guy that's realistically being drafted? Well, they got to replace Cedric Wilson, don't they? No, he's not. Uh, oh, yeah, he went to the Dolphins, right? Yeah. And they lost um, Coopers to the Browns, I think, as well. It's either, do they need a long snapper? They could draft Daniel Cantrell. They're not going to draft a long snapper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I, maybe I they could sign him as an undrafted free agent. You never know. <laughs> I just, I just want to bring that up, bring it up because they had Van Der Esch. They had obviously, um, Cal, um, oh geez, uh, Moore there, uh, Kellen Moore. Sorry, I want to say Kelvin Moore. It's not Kelvin Moore. Kellen Moore. They had receivers. They had this, all those guys. So it's just a fun. Maybe the Cowboys take Shakir. I don't know. Man. I'm just saying. Maybe they need a receiver again at some point if it's like a fourth round pick and he slides down to them. But all right, that'll wrap it up for our draft stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see what goes on this weekend. MWR.com. Find all of our stuff. We have NFL draft page or tab, I should say, on the homepage. We'll be back at the end of the week uh, to talk the draft stuff. Probably 
we'll we'll see draft Saturday. We'll get to it next weekend, but all the undrafted random stuff we'll get to as well. So just check us out. And if you're a first time listener, let us know how awesome we are. That'd be appreciative. And maybe just say subscribe to the show. If you listen again, great. If not, just download every time because we, uh, we would like those as well. And we'll see you next week.